Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavostin, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the eighth episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. And for this episode, we will be discussing Amazing Spider-Man number 8 by Dan Slott, Christos Gage, Umberto Ramos, and Giuseppe Comancoli. Uh, then we'll answer some fan mail, give away some prizes, and discuss What If number 105, also known as Spider-Girl number 0, which is the first appearance of Spider-Girl by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Awesome. Two of our friends of the podcast, and uh, we get the whole, we're talking about a comic by basically the whole team of the Spider-Crew. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, we got a, a, a team up to cover here, so we got to dive right in. Amazing Spider-Man number eight. Dan, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number eight. It was the the second part of the first, of the Miss Marvel team up that we got last time out. Um, you know, we we talked about in our last episode how this was kind of uh, your, your standard team up fair. Um, you know, something that I kind of noticed in this issue, and maybe maybe I'm just being a little little dense by the whole thing, but. You know, these team-up stories tend to be a little light on the plot and the narrative. I mean, but this one was also light on action. I don't know. This this this, this really just kind of felt like it just kind of blinked and it happened, right? I mean, was it was it really wasn't much memorable. wasn't very action-packed. I mean, there was a couple of fun little team-up things in there, but it wasn't much going on here, right? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, typically when you when you have a team up, it's all about like taking two completely different power sets or personalities and and playing them off each other or having them cooperate in a unique way. And even the cooperations here seem like a retread. In fact, they even discuss how they're going to repeat uh, the uh, the actions of other heroes that have teamed up with Spider-Man, in this case with Miss Marvel. And yeah, there wasn't really... Much here that would, I mean, really intrigue me, one, to check out a Miss Marvel comic. And, and I suggest that reader, you know, readers and listeners do. 
uh, check out Miss Marvel comics because they're really wonderful. Um, but yeah, there wasn't much, and there was some action, but yeah, just none of it is that memorable. Um, and uh, and I, I wonder if that also has to do with the art, art going on here. I thought the art in the last issue was really wonderful. Here it just felt very standard Giuseppe Comincoli with less playful panels and things to really make that action bounce off the page. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and I think you could also chalk it up to the villain. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm not really feeling the whole Dr. Minerva uh, thing here. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about one of the reveals involving her henchmen. But, I mean, it was just just a lot of, like, you know, eh, nothing reveals and, 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 and what have you in this story. Um, you know, I also felt like some some story beats were repeated um, from last time out, I mean, we kind of got like the 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 Miss Marvel fandom of of Spidey and Carol, and 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 you know it, it it's you know I guess it wouldn't be such a bad thing to repeat these these ideas for those who missed the last issue. You know that old Stanley adage: every issue is somebody's first. But I don't know, considering how much this is lacking in in the heft department, it almost kind of felt like they was filling out a page. You know. Yeah. I mean, there are some nice things like the conclusion to this story with Peter, um, you know, basically giving Miss Marvel the like, go ahead. Like, I have faith in you because I was once in your spot as a teenage superhero. But even at the same time, as much as that's a nice plot beat, it really kind of just hits the nail on the head, you know. And I said it last time that I felt like the book was Miss Marvel was the most Spider-Man spirited book coming out right now or at least you know old but like they literally say it in the book with like without even a wink and a nod it's it's comes right out of peter's mouth and that's fine like i get that he you know can say this to her but what what was earned about that moment in this comic um i don't know i don't know i mean i i guess the only positive i could say out of that element was you know at least for the first time in many months peter Spider-Man kind of came across almost authoritatively for the first time. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, we, we, we've, we've watched him kind of be stuck in everybody else's shadow and be unable to really do anything for himself. So I guess it was kind of nice to, to see a moment where, you know, Spider-Man once again was actually a hero that some people like look up to and, um, you know, actually value his opinion on, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like he's been so, He's been so superfluous for a while now. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even just the value of the opinion because between you and me, you know, Spider-Man I think works the best when people kind of, you know, don't value him and he has to prove it, you know, like the you know, the he's the misunderstood hero and and all of that stuff. But yeah, you know, to have someone, I mean, here at least he defeats the villain on his own. You know, I mean I mean even in a team up, he kind of does it on his own. Uh, yeah, but, but I think even like if you go back to like some of the core issues of Spider-Man, I mean, yeah, you know, when he's in the presence of like the Avengers and Captain America and whatnot, I mean, you know, it, he works better as kind of the underdog. But, you know, when when he's with another hero that's on his level or technically lower in the pecking order, he shouldn't be taking a back seat like we saw with like Silk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and even with Miss Marvel last issue, I mean, this felt, you know, it almost felt more like a Miss Marvel comic last time out um, than a Spider-Man one. Um, and I felt this one was a little more weighted towards Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man should not be taking a back seat to 
like Miss Marvel, it's still what like literally her like first or cup second week on the job. Yeah. So yeah, she's got a lot to learn, and yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of nice. Um, although I I feel like the defeat of Doctor Minerva, like while it was kind of a funny joke, like him fake calling the Avengers and the Kree Empire or whatever. Right. Like, I don't think that it was worth like spreading out over two issues for that to be like the payoff or. You know, at least give me a, a moment where they feel like they're struggling. They basically cakewalk all over this person. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to what I said last time. I mean, you know, a story like this in a Marvel team up or a, a, an Avenging Spider-Man or whatever your team up book of the moment is um, doesn't feel all that offensive to me because that's just kind of what the spirit of the book is. But the fact that this is coming in. um an amazing Spider-Man is kind of like a placeholder between this first opening arc uh, that you know reintroduced Peter Parker after he died, and you know right before Spider-Verse, which is supposed to be this other major game-changing arc. It just kind of feels like uh, you know we, you're entitled to a cool-down arc, but this is this is ice, a nice cold of a cool-down. You know, like there's just it's, there's just nothing there. This is this is total filler. I feel like I don't know if you've read my review, Mark. On on my site, no, I have. Um, I feel like this was the issue where I like stopped putting on my rose tinted glasses about this series and my feelings about it, and just fully expressed myself. And I feel <laughs> like maybe it's not deserved because I don't think this issue is so bad. But like you said, it's a cool like uh, 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 this issue is a cool down, but there was never a warm up. In the yeah. issue, other than really issue one of the relaunch, which was a good issue, not great. It was a good issue. It was uh, a good bring you back in. You know, it was certainly better than the volume two relaunch first issue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there have been way worse periods on Spider-Man books than what we're getting right now. But I was writing in my piece. I don't feel like I've ever felt so distant from Peter as a character and then I don't know like even in all the times where the book has been bad I felt like the character has like a motivation and I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot why I feel so disconnected from the character and frankly if I was not such a spider nut like I think maybe I would have dropped this book by now um, you know if maybe if Spider-Verse wasn't looming on the horizon and I was willing to give it a little more you know leeway to see how that turned out but like um, one of the things that I think that's really missing um, from this relaunch, and I think the first issue definitely has it, which is why I think it's been su- was so such a successful issue for me, was that it's missing a lot of text box getting inside of Peter's head, um, mm. and issues where we get to see what Peter's thinking about. I think really help emphasize, empathize with the with the person, especially because you can't see Peter's face under the mask. Um, it's just something I've been thinking about a lot that I've kind of missed is finding out how, like, crappy Peter's day is going through his, like, kind of sardonic comments. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it, Peter has just not been the focus. Uh, I mean, that's uh, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. And, and, and in terms of, you know, I absolutely agree with you. There have been far worse periods on this book, but I, I don't remember. Well, maybe maybe you can make the case with the Straczynski run where a book was so good and then just got so like tepid to bad you know what i mean like like i mean superior 
I, I mean, you know, even with my frustrations with with this with this comic and with you know with the creative team, um, it's not making me reevaluate what I thought of Superior. You know, I thought Superior was a really good series. I thought it was a really good story arc, and that you know, yeah, there were some slow spots in it where we we were a little more. Um, disappointed than others, but it was overall really good. And to kind of come out of that, and you know, it obviously didn't end well. And to come out of that, and just not like like this is no momentum. And 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 I I just don't know what what they're going for here. I mean, it, it, it's like you said, it's it's I'm dis I'm disconnected from the character. I'm disconnected from the creators. You know, and when I see these other when I see other fans out there who seem to really be enjoying this I, I i i'm kind of at a loss to to figure out why that's the case you know you go to some of these larger sites um not spider specific ones but larger comic book sites and they have reviews up and you know these books are still getting decent reviews and and you know I, i'm like you know, I feel like we do have the rose tinted glasses because we are spider nuts. So we do see the kernel of positive and, and, you know, a book, you know, I mean, just, just most recently this, you know, a site like CBR gave this book four stars and gave the Hobgoblin book three stars. I think we both love the Hobgoblin book. I thought so the like, Hobgoblin book was a, a five star book or yeah, like I thought four it was and a half phenomenal. star book. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just like, I'm like, what am I missing? You know, what is like, like is that it's do we do people just want cotton candy out of Spider-Man? Is that what this boils down to? Because that's what this feels like. It's just cotton candy right now. As far and as it, I'm concerned, Amazing Spider-Man, and this is one of those rare times. Amazing Spider-Man is the weakest Spider book on the market. Oh, I I would agree with that 100. Um, percent I mean, you know, we'll see what happens when Silk and Spider-Woman and and well, I think Spider-Gwen has some pro. We'll have we'll be good out of the shoot, but yeah. I mean, you know. When some of these other books start joining the family and some of these like Spider-Verse tie-ins, I mean, you know, they, they got some good creators tied to some of those books. And then there's a lot of not, so, you know, people I've never heard of or people that I'm just like kind of nonplussed with. So we'll see what that does. <laughs> but right now, of ongoing books, I think it's it's easily the one I'm least excited about getting. Yeah. And that's a rare time for me. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, not uh, for nothing. Probably the last time I was this and with Spider Man was pre seven hundred. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something to that. You know, maybe, maybe certain creators or maybe not don't have the magic on a character anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this return of Clash, as we discussed the potential possibility of last <laughs> episode. Sorry, sorry. Do that again. <clears throat> so let's talk about the return of Clayton Cole, a.k.a. Clash. Uh, I don't know that if we can really recall this a re a return because he was literally here a month ago. Uh, I was saying it's been, what, 14 years? Uh <laughs> 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 yeah, this 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 was as 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 lackluster of a reveal as you can get. Like this is this is the definition of tepid. In my opinion, that's that's the the phrase I use in in my write up on this comic. Tepid. I think I use flaccid in there too a few times. I mean, you know, it's not even, and that's it's not even so much that I don't really care about this Clash character anymore. But you know, it's like you said. I mean, it's just so convenient that you know 
learning to crawl wrapped up and it's like, oh, and, and here's Clash and hey, I recognize you. Like, what's up, man? Like, it, it just it was terrible. I'm sorry. It was a really bad reveal. It's got, you got to do better than that. Yeah, you know, at least give me like some that. some mystery. Like, I, I wrote on my review, like, imagine if, like, for the next year or so, or two years, every time a henchman group came around, there was a guy that, like, seemed to have the same traits, and it made you wonder who it was, and then you get the reveal that, it, oh, it's actually Clash, and you would care about that guy a little more. You'd be like, okay, I'm invested in your story. Here it's just like, yeah, yeah I have a – and here I don't think his story is not interesting. The fact that he, like, can't get a job because when he was a teen and he's on, like, probation and he gets given a second chance. I, I think that's kind of an interesting story, but not when you present it so, like, oh, yeah, I remember who you are. Like – yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, I actually like the sentiment of where they resolve things between Peter and Clash, but, but you know, felt felt the reveal was 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 really lacking. And and the other the other my other issue with it was, you know, and based on where they ended the the Peter Clash story and learning to crawl, like, you know, I would have liked to see something a little more emotionally charged, you know, than what we got. I mean, not saying that they need to fight it out again, but. I don't know. This was just like, you know, like this, the, the Peter's encounter with Clash was presented by Dan Slott in the, in his, in his own miniseries as being this defining moment for him as a hero. The one that made him basically have to make a choice that, no, I'm going to stay with this and I'm not going to doubt myself. Although Spider-Man would obviously doubt himself countless times <laughs> since those <laughs> issues. But putting that aside, um, and, and, you know, with Clash, you know, Spider-Man essentially ruined his life, you know, like, and, and it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, hey, you, like, you know, like, what you been up to? <laughs> like, there, there was, there was, there was no fire to it, you I'm know? Gonna, was, I'm going to hire you in a panel and you're going to, yeah. like, what are the hiring procedures at Parker Industries like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but they seem to have a lot of people on the payroll that are either like double crossing him or, you know, so. And, and again, uh, you know, it comes back to like, I don't want this book to be about like filing taxes and things like that, but like, I would love to know how Parker Industries works, what their concerns are as a business, you know, so that I can be concerned about how Peter's running it or like, I don't know. I mean, when we got introduced in the big time era to Horizon Labs, it seemed very clear to me that there was like an infrastructure there and how this business operated. Um, but I have known nothing about Parker Industries. Now we have Clash on the payroll within a, with a, you know, without even having a discussion between him and Peter about like who he is as a person now. Uh, I, I just don't care. <laughs> and, and the problem is, I think the character has a lot of potential, you know. Yeah. Like, but I don't yeah. care. I don't, I, how much potential, though? I mean, I don't. I, I this 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 kind of seems like, you know, I hate to always make this comparison, but it really does just seem like Dan Slott's second chance at Alpha. I don't know. Like, you know, he kind of wants that like young, you know, uh, immature. Uh, analog to Peter, um, yeah, and, and that's what he has in Clash, and that's what he was attempting to go for with with Alpha when he first introduced him, yeah, uh, and and then promptly buried it because people didn't care, you know, and you can't force people to care. You, 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 it's got to be organic, you know. You you want to, 
I mean, and we'll, this this will this will certainly be tested when we have a Spider Gwen and Silk book in a couple of months. You know, like what's what what's organic versus what what the powers that be want you to accept. You know, and can can I, we go a single issue without introducing a new character into this series? Well, especially when it comes at the at the sacrifice of the core characters of the book. You know, like I mean. This would have been a maybe I would have liked to maybe see a little more with Anna Maria in this issue. And we didn't have any of that, you know, like, yeah. um, I mean, when was know. the last time we saw Pete? I, I know I say this a lot, but when was the last time we just saw Peter like go and spend time with his friends or go yeah. out to a coffee or do any of the things that make up his life? Um, and we haven't even seen him make a phone call to Aunt May, you know, like, yeah. it's just. Like um, who I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Ron Friends that we were talking to. Or no, Def, and Tom DeFalco too said like Spider-Man is Archie with superheroes. We're not yeah. getting any of the Archie anymore. And uh no. it's something I really miss. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Um all right. What uh, what else on the A story can we say here? Well, we... Silk got a new costume. Yes. Yes, Silk's new costume, which again, I mean Okay, so I mean, didn't we? We kind of already knew this was coming, if you know, based on some of the preview of art we got for her new series, and then you know, and then even like some of the stuff with the uh, the Spider Girl series that's coming next month. So that, you know, whatever. <laughs> I guess it had to happen before Spider Verse. I mean, it's a it's an improvement on her like naked, covered in webs costume, but I don't love her new costume. Um, it's not like it says anything about her personality or anything. Yeah. It, it, like, like that's, I mean, that's the, that's the problem with silk. I mean, it's, it's, that's the problem with clash. It's, we, we have like, we have gimmicks more than characters right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like it could be interesting to see how she like working in a news organization, like uses their opinion of her to like kind of alter her public perception like in a way that peter hasn't it suggests that maybe she'd be open to doing that but like again she just feels like a female iteration of peter parker oh she's a a a spider-powered character that works at a news organization like okay give me something new like maybe somebody could not work at a news organization as a character maybe she could become a lawyer or something i don't care anything but (laughs) you know she could intern with she hulk yeah, right. Now that the book is being canceled, maybe they could become like a, a a partnership. They can open this with what is it? Cindy Moon and what is she called? <laughs> Jessica uh, Walters. Yeah, that's it. Walters and uh, Moon. Walters and Moon. Um, here's an original idea. Why don't they make her an agent of Shield? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just—it's like okay, this character's already boring. Let's choose the most boring possible thing that she could do is be that, a complete analog for Peter. Right. It, not even that it's boring. It's just you know, like it, we just we've been there and done that. Let's let's do something new. But yeah. we're not doing anything new with Peter. So you know, why should a supporting cast be any different? I would almost take an Asian stereotype over this. Like have oh, her like no. Don't open say up that. a Don't like. Say that. <laughs> 
<laughs> like a laundra- laundromat or something Oh, ridiculous. my goodness. <laughs> I would almost take that over this, but that's terrible. That's terrible. And, and then you would be, you know, you would, you would get scolded. Or I should say that Dan Slott would defend that by saying it's not his fault that it's a stereotype. It's, it's you know, it's like Picasso doing a bad painting and, you know, being offended by it. Right? <laughs> yeah. S- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, B what story. A, well, well, hold on a second. I want to talk about the baby. Oh, the baby. Yes, the baby. Have you seen the baby? <laughs> Maybe the dingo is your baby. <laughs> Sorry. I would prefer that to what we got here. <laughs> you have to see the baby. I mean, I was kind of expecting maybe a superpowered something that would come out of there and turn the tables and everybody would have to team up against this thing. There are a million things, but a baby is literally the least interesting thing. And it's not even like it's a superpower baby. It's just a freaking baby. Dan, can I ask you a question? Are you a, a professional wrestling fan? No. Okay. Well, for those of you out there that listen to it, um, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The, 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 the baby in this issue is the gobbledygooker. What? Okay, I will explain this. So for those of you, you know, you can fast forward over the next like minute of this if you're not interested in pro wrestling. So like in the I think it was like the late 80s or the early 90s in the WWF uh, every week on like the Saturday morning wrestling program, they would talk about they they kept showing this egg. It was this big egg um, like in a nest. And they're like, oh, what's in the egg? There's something in the egg. This is, this is the, and we're going to reveal it at the Survivor Series, which was like the big pay-per-view event at the end of the month. So, you know, they keep showing the egg, the egg, the egg. And finally we get to Survivor Series and the egg hatches and out of it comes some dude in a chicken costume who proceeds to dance in the ring for five minutes and then is never seen again. <laughs> that's pretty terrible and the character was called the gobbledygooker so it was like you know that's kind of become like the standard bearer for you know very awful reveals well i will make i will make a comparison this is the togepi of uh, of stories do you know what a togepi is i don't what, can you explain that to me it's a it's a pokemon on the oh, okay. uh, on the pokemon <laughs> show for about a whole season, they found this mysterious egg that they carried around with them to hope when wait for it to hatch into a powerful Pokemon. And when it hatched, it was this thing called the Togepi, which is literally just this creature that just lives in an egg and like peeks out of it. So it like hatched to just be an egg creature and that was completely powerless and just said its name and was cute. And it was like, really? That's that's what we waited for? That's what we waited for. I mean, I guess it was beloved among a certain audience, but okay. So we just totally exposed our other nerd sides for everyone. So I think our nerd um, sides from like 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, from yeah, probably more going on 20 for me, but maybe even more 25. That's a long time ago. Jeez, Mark, you're old. Yeah, I'm old. Okay. Anyway, B story time. Let's talk about this B story. Let's talk about this B story. My brother's keeper. Yes, since this is the one that seems to have caused mass hysteria on the internet, um, you know, Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little controversial in this, but you know, I I, I kind of had a, a a so what 
response to what happened in this issue, not because, you know, I have anything against the MC2 version of Peter and Mary Jane, but, you know, again, and I, and I said this in our last episode, we've been getting these, these unceremonious deaths, this hit list, as I think you called it, you know, going on a few months now. And, uh, you know, like it's, it's becoming very predictable. You knew something was going to happen. And, you know, we know that Mayday Parker, Spider-Girl, was going to be a part of, of Spider-Verse going forward. So it was probably going to be someone in her family. Um, so, and, and, you know, for the people who are like, oh, these, these characters didn't deserve an ending like this. I mean, you know, my attitude is like these these endings that these characters are getting, who are getting killed off, it, it, like... You know, these, this is just one more appearance that they probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. I don't know if there was ever going to be a, res, a true resurrection of Spider Girl. I think, I think that, I think that ship is done, is sailed, it's done. You know, like I know it had that cult following, but I just don't see why Marvel would be going back to that well. I mean, MC two is just kind of a done deal. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if twenty ninety nine can come back, anything can, but. Um, I don't yeah, think that's, so, I don't think that's a reason like 29 came back as a reason to hold these things sacred um, necessarily right. but uh, um, and, and I thought this was f- a fine thing for Dan Slott to do if he wants to do it like so be it it's just like right. it was particularly like did it need to I mean I guess we don't know that Mary Jane is dead we didn't see a body and in comics that like yeah means that the person probably isn't dead, but like yeah, but she's dead. I think she's dead. Yeah. I, I, um. No, it it was it, it it definitely seems like it was. You know, Dan Slott's been kind of going around the last few weeks, joking that he's you know history's greatest monster. And again, I mean, this is this is a gimmick he wants to put up there. That's fine, but you know. It's well, that, I think that's the thing. If this was the only one of those things that we had gotten, I think it would have meant something to me, and I'd be like, yeah. "Oh wow, what what a like uh, a crazy you know death sequence!" Like I'm moved by their sacrifice, but I'm yeah. so ho hum about this. Yeah, that, like, it's been cheapened. It's, you've been numb to it because it's like, you know, you you. I th- I feel like they're just they're trying to get. They're trying to get the wrong kind of emotional response out of readers, you know. Like, and I don't, and I don't get that. And I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to use my words wisely here because I don't want to make it sound like Marvel hates its readers and blah, blah, blah you know, like that that argument. I'm not going there, but um, you know, there's the, there's definitely an element of trolling here. <laughs> you just can't deny well, it. Well, I, that's the thing. It, it's yeah. that these these emotional beats are not like. I mean, sure, they're like emotional for the characters of the universes that are being killed, but it's not affecting our core cast of characters in the six one six universe. So really, these things are just there to get audiences emotionally riled up. Yes. And, I, it's always better when it does both. It has an emotional toll on the characters we're reading the book for. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really just been cheap. And I mean, even in 2099, the whole issue is just a hit list. And oh yeah, I was like, okay, come on. Yeah, let's 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 we gotta we gotta get past you know, you know when when did like Spider Man become Suicide Squad where you know someone was guaranteed to die at the end of every issue? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <it's> just, <laughs> 
Instead, uh, like, how about we spend more time learning about the Inquisitors and how they work and who each of these people are? I mean, well, we got that one that one story in Superior Thirty Three, which I thought was probably the best of these B story prologue things that we've received so far. Yeah, don't you think? I, yeah, absolutely, that, it was the one that gave that gave some of was it Karn's background? I yeah. mean, you know, who yeah. Is, who like, is who is Deimos other than just like a larger looking Morlin? Morlin, yeah. No, you're right. It's like you know. Does this I whole thing cheapen Moreland too? I mean, like, what makes Moreland special? I I don't know. I'm waiting to find out. Um, yeah. I, I yeah, no. I, I I I agree. <laughs> I cannot disagree. Um, the Ramos art looked good, though. Yeah. No. I mean, I think it's a little more cartoony than he's been in in a, in a little while. Like the way people were kind of like bending and twisting. But yeah, I mean, it looks good, especially because I think, and this is true of both of these issues of this team up that we've gotten. The B stories colorist has really knocked it out of the park versus the A stories colorist. I mean, did you feel that way in the last one with Captain Britain? I thought those pages just sang. Yeah, I I mean... (sighs) I don't know if I noticed that much of a difference from story to story. Certainly in the last issue, I don't know if I noticed that much of a difference between uh, the art between A and B. I mean, I just, you know, not for nothing. And I I really have enjoyed how Common Coley has come along. But I I, kind of feel that Ramos's kind of frenetic, cartoony style almost works better with a story like this. You know, like it, 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 it is a little kind of fantastical and, and over the top in its presentation. And I think you need something that's a little looser. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, I mean, that's the only reason why maybe I'm a little more gravitated towards um, what the B story presented artistically. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that the color has something to do with that. But I mean, for me, it's really it's really just about Ramos and his style meshing with the story. Yeah, well, I thought Common Coley had a better issue last issue overall, just in general. And I, I thought his B story there was beautiful. So, um, yeah. you Definitely. know, and I think a lot, I looked at it and I thought, okay, this looks like a coloring that's typically done on Ramos's work. And I wonder if, like, having a little bit, uh, like, I think Common Coley typically gets stuck with kind of flat coloring. And in the last issue, he had very, like, colors that were rich and had shaders and it really brought a lot of depth to his imagery and I thought that really like stepped him up a notch but um, I mean he's not doing bad work here like I think it's still good it's just I thought last issue was a better stronger issue overall okay Um, you have a grade on this one Dan yeah I'm giving this one a C I mean I think it's a okay issue I don't think it's really that much worse than the last issue it's just I'm suddenly finding myself like Spider-Verse had better pay off. Like it had better be worth having such a soft start to the series. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm kind of like stuck in between C and C minus right now. I guess maybe I'll, I'll be a little contrary and say C minus. I just, you know, it, it's just kind of been more of the same for me um, from Spider-Man. I mean, we saw some improvement last issue, I think, on a couple of things, but um yeah, this like you said, this is like okay, we're here at the main event. Next starting next issue, this thing better be good. If this is ends of the if this is ends of the earth level, you know this book's in trouble, in my opinion. You can only do these events 
so many times and reboot the series so many times until people just don't care anymore. And I know that like sales and critical scores are higher now than they've been in a very long time. I mean, like pre-superior. Um, like this book is at its, you know, it's consistently in the top ten selling comics, of, you know, when it, when it comes out. Um, but I just, I think the reason people came to Superior is because of that character and how consistent it was and how motivated it was. And I think people will drop this thing cold if Spider-Verse is a cold turkey. And I think Spider-Verse is the kind of story... I mean, just based on its general premise, that could easily lose readers if it doesn't have a hook. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it, it, it definitely seems like it's a little bit of kind of like, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like nerd porn in terms of, you know, like, oh, yeah. let's see. Let's see what we can what we can bring into this. And, you know, for someone more casual who might be picking up this book because they liked Superior or because they want to read the comic after seeing the movie. You know, I think that, you know, if, if this story isn't really engaging, it can, it, people are going to drop this book. Well, we've seen, we've seen some of the preview art and it looks gorgeous. So it'll have yeah. that going for it. Well, but, I'm looking forward to getting a new some new juice into this book in terms of um, Oliver uh, Copiel. Yeah, so. he's a wonderful artist. And um, I mean, for me, the big thing will be we, and we'll see. We'll talk about it on the next episode. We'll, we'll be in Spider Verse territory. Um, is if we have all these Spider Men, Peter can't get lost in that group. No, definitely not. All right. Well, let's do some comments and emails. All right, everybody. Well, as always, you can uh, leave comments and ratings for us over at our iTunes and Stitcher pages. Uh, you can find our podcast by searching on Amazing Spider Talk or just Spider-Man. will come up pretty quickly there. Or you can email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. Uh, this time out, we didn't get any new comments on iTunes or Stitcher, but we do have an email. Um, and uh, this one is from um, Zachary uh Zobzak, and if i'm saying that wrong i apologize and Zachary no writes, actually he uh sent us in a way to pronounce his name oh and and what is it dan Please tell we've me. been wrong every time it's zach Subchalk. Subchalk. like the two words sub and chalk put together look at that yes sub chalk like a sub sandwich and a piece of chalk i, I i'll try to remember that going he, forward he i'm says sorry that he's zach. polish so i guess yeah, you know what? With the last name like Gavazdin, I really um, sympathize with you. Although my name, I think, is a little more phonetic. Yeah. Uh, no one has gotten genetic here, right, to this day. But um, <laughs> anyway, Zach Subchalk writes, We all love Spider-Man, but are there any other characters out there who you just really can't get into, no matter how badly you want to or feel like you should? Um, Dan, do you want to take this one first? Well, you know, uh, I, when I first read this, I had thought, like outside of the Spider-Man universe. But in the Spider-Man universe, there are plenty of characters. Like, I think, Mark, you and I have both been on the record for being very cold on Carnage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess one that, like, and I guess it has to do with the storyline never really blowing me away, is I've never really been a fan of Gene DeWolf uh, <gasps> as a character. I know. 
I know. People <laughs> hold that storyline in such high regard. And I know that I've said before that that storyline has kind of left me cold. Um, but, yeah, Gene DeWolf, I, she kind of was interested in Spider-Man. It's like another one of those characters that I think became more interesting in her death than she ever was in her life. I mean, Ultimate Gene DeWolf is an interesting character. Um, but mainstream, spectacular Spider-Man Gene DeWolf never really done it for me. Yeah, How about you, Mark? I would say that's all fair. Um, I guess for me, I would say uh, Silver Sable is just someone that – and I, I guess it's now the deceased Silver Sable, right? Um, after Ends yeah, of the Earth. What happened to that storyline? She wasn't dead or was she – Stay tuned for Spider. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> like ten years from now, someone will bring her back. Yeah, no. Look, I couldn't care. I could care less as well. And I know that she was a creation of good friends Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. I think I think she was one of the characters that came from the animal deck of cards that Ron told us about. Uh, <laughs> well, I I don't mind her there. I think she can be interesting. She was handled, you know, okay there. I just don't like. She's but held up in this certain amount of light in Spider-Man comics. Well, she, like, had her own book for a while, which just boggles my mind. I mean, you know, we, we you know, people kind of, there's that contingent of comic book fans that are bristling at some of the female-centric books that Marvel is producing. And, you know, at least, you know, with those, you're getting, like, characters that I feel like can rightly carry a book, like Elektra or... or well, that's she canceled. And, and She-Hulk, which is canceled. I know. I know. Okay, Black Widow. Um, Probably going to be canceled soon. No. <laughs> I mean, sales are not good on those books. No, you're right. But 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 I'm just saying, like, Silver Sable had a book in the mid-90s. Can you, like, does that not just blow your mind? How much of it was, like, based on her, like, redesigned by, uh, like, a Rob Liefeld copy? Oh, no, it, it was. But I'm just saying, like, it just, like, like. And I, and I actually read one, you know, reviewed one of these for for gimmick or good. I mean, it's just like it's it's a really, it was not a good book. It was like her and the Wild Pack. So you had like good guy Sandman in this story and stuff like that. And like it's like it's just a bunch of mercenaries that had no personality and no no dis- defining qualities. And you know, Silver Sable's the tough boss. And I'm like, I just don't care about this character. I've never cared about this character. You know. Going, you know, in the in in terms of the McFarlane Michelinie run, uh, the Assassin's Nation plot is probably like my least favorite story of that whole run. Um, I, you know, I, I will say Silver Sable wasn't my first issue of Spider-Man ever. Uh, Three seventy-five, where the, that's the right. Wild Pack. They show up to yeah, and I'm sure that was probably a cross promotion of this solo book. That's probably what that was. Yeah, probably. I remember like, they just came in with their flamethrowers, and Venom was like freaking out. But here's something. Fire. Now here's something to blow your mind even more. Well, first, so that book ran 40 issues. Can you imagine anything running 40 issues Jeez, right now? <laughs> really? Wow. And and you know the big joke was, um, and I read this in the uh, Sean Howe um, Marvel, uh, the Untold Story of Marvel uh, book, which is a really great book for yeah, anyone. Yeah, I really enjoyed like, it too. You want some inside baseball on on Marvel? Well, it's all right, inside baseball. 
Yeah, yeah. But like this, the, there was this line about how like in the 90s, because, you know, the market was so inflated that, you know, you had books like X-Men 1 selling 8 million copies and X-Force 1 selling 2 million copies. And they did Silver Sable. And I think it sold like 200,000 copies, which today would be like top of the charts. And like Marvel was in a panic over Silver Sable because it was like, oh, no, we finally lost our magic. But they still kept that damn thing running for 40 issues. <laughs> Jeez. So, um yeah, what, so oh, Silver, Silver Sable. <laughs> well, Mark, are there are there any characters outside of the Spider-Man universe that you've just never been able to get into? Um, I, you know, I feel like anybody with the right creative team, but you know, one one character that like has this cult following, and especially, and I I would think that I would like them based on the fact that I'm a Batman fan, um, because the character is based on Batman. That's Moon Knight. Um, and I just can't get into Moon Knight. I tried and people, you know, sing, you know, sing songs about his book. They're so good. You know what I mean? They think it's the greatest thing ever. And I, you know, and I like Warren Ellis did the reboot and I was like, oh, it's Warren Ellis. It's Moon Knight. And I'm like, eh, I just don't care. I don't know. He's, 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 he's the crazy guy in a, in a, in, in a, in a white hood. I don't know what else to say about him. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Um, I've never really gotten into Hulk or Fantastic Four, although I feel like, again, if there's the right creator on it, I, I could I could dig those books. Um, outside of Marvel, like, Superman is a character that I'm baffled by because he's just so powerful. He, I mean, I think if there's an opposite of Spider-Man, it's Superman. Like, yeah. he's just kind of beloved and super powerful, has a power for every solution. Um, but again, there's all-star Superman, which I love as a book as well. So, you know, I guess it's really just the writer, you know? Yeah, it's, it's the writer and there's definitely some good Hulk stories for you. I think you should definitely check out the Peter David Hulk run from the uh, early nineties, um, which is marvelous. And, um, you know, John Byrne had a good, good short run on Hulk and, and Roger Stern too, had a really good run on Hulk in the, uh, in the eighties. So, um, there's, you know, there, there is some, that's the thing. I, I feel like for almost all these characters, there, there are some good stories that you can find. Yeah. Uh, but, um, especially, you know, if you look for specific writers who, who worked on them, but yeah, it's uh, not like Spider-Man has like golden ages of writing. Like it's got a couple of good, like really good patches, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, and I would tell you that I mean actually I'm kind of surprised you said Fantastic Four because I almost kind of feel like Fantastic Four and Spider-Man are like kind of cut from the same cloth. I mean I know they're very different in terms of their personalities, but you know all those like really early Marvel Age books, like I just kind of like feel like you know they're they're part of the same family and and I don't know I I have a soft spot for Fantastic Four. I mean I'm currently reading reading the james robinson run and you know it's not the greatest thing in the world but i I like it i like it enough to pull it every month you know i guess i guess for me i mean if i'm gonna be honest i don't love team books like Mm. i like my characters like solo and i think that's why i like ultimate spider-man so much because like it's kind of in its own little universe you know and doesn't get a lot of adulteration from other titles um and Spider-Man's typically a solo act, although with, in recent years it's been less and less the case. Yeah. All right. Well, 
I think we got some good stuff out of this, Dan. I, yeah, I've learned some things about you. Yeah, I've learned some uh, things about you, Mark. Well, now, now, I don't know where to go with that, except maybe we should talk about donations and subscriptions. Sounds good to me. So now's the time of the show where we thank all you wonderful people out there who have decided to donate uh, to our show and have opted to join the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. This week we have no new members. Wah, wah. <laughs> that said, each episode we always assign a member a number and then randomly decide who gets what digital comic from us. So this week we're giving away Amazing Spider-Man number seven. And Mark, can you give me a drum roll? I can't do drum rolls, Dan. I I I lack the trilly the lip trilling abilities. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll I'll just edit one. How about, how about can I do can I do a conga drum like a boom, put the boom, put the boom, put the boom, put the boom. That that's gonna have to do. <laughs> and and after that embarrassing segment, the code goes to. Brad Prasuto. Congratulations, Brad. You'll get your code in your email. Yeah. And, yeah. If, you, <laughs> and if you'd like to become a member of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club and support our show in the process, please go to our sites and click on the giant big fat button that reads Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Why did we name it that, Mr. Dan? Well, because I wanted to get you to say it a bunch of times, which I've been fairly successful at, I will say. All right. Well, anyway, why don't we talk about Spider-Girl's first appearance? You mean What If 105? You mean Spider-Girl number zero? You mean What If 105? Sure. What If Not 105. You can, you can call it that if you need to. All right. Well, we can talk about that now. Okay. Let's talk. So what if 105, the first appearance of Spider-Girl, Mayday Parker, and the creation, well, not intentionally at the time, of the MC2 universe, uh, where we catch uh, up about 15 years later from the moment in the Clone Wars, or not Clone Wars, I'm talking about Star Wars here, in the Clone Saga. When when Qui-Gon Jinn and... (laughs) (laughs) When Mary Jane had a baby, and uh, it was stolen by uh, Mongrain and taken to 
Osborne, let's say that never happened, the baby was fine, and that random spice that Alison Mongrain put in MJ's soup turned out actually just to be some basil, and and she had a nice baby girl named Mayday Parker. Uh, Well, May Parker, but you you know how it goes. Um, So we catch up on them 15 years later. And, uh, and and May is a basketball superstar, and mm-hmm. she finds herself with her powers starting to awaken themselves at, like she's a mutant, which I guess kind of in this situation she kind of is a mutant. Um, I guess so. Yeah, if you're born with it, right? Yeah. 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 The fact that that she that the powers just kind of show up one day is actually always something about her origin that bothers me. But well, coincidentally, on the oh. same day that her powers show up. Yes. Guess who else shows up? Well, there's a mysterious Green Goblin who is revealed to be Peter Parker. No. <laughs> it's Normie Osborne. I would say it's the other absurd guest that we kept making during Superior Era. Normie Osborne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. CC, your wish came true. He's in like a robotic suit. And no, he's not. Actually, I love the depiction of Norman here or Normie. Uh, with his tattooed back about honor thy father, kill the spider. Like, that stuff is crazy. Yeah. No, Normie is definitely off his rocker here, which is to be expected, right? Yeah. I mean, he's off his rocker in the 616 universe. Yeah. Well, you know, but instead of, like, tearing heads off of dolls here, I mean, you know, he's making stuff happen now. He's making it rain, which is good. I guess we should say that in this universe – Peter went on continuing to fight the goblin, and in their brawl, when about two years after uh, the point at which um, uh, Mary Jane gave birth, there was a fight, and the goblin died, or at least the Norman Osborn goblin died, and Peter lost his leg. Um, although um, not much is really revealed about where, where Harry's goblin lies in this story. Well, he was still dead at that point. Oh, yes. You're right. He was dead at that point. So, yes, Peter lost his leg and the goblin lost his life. And so Peter hung up the Spider-Man suit um, probably because his leg was gone. Uh, but there you go. Mark, there you go. what do you think about this issue? I don't know, man. I mean, your synopsis pretty much said it all. No. Uh... <laughs> well, I just went over the plot. Well, I wonder yeah. what you think about it. What I think about it. No, Um you know what what's what's what I actually really like about this is that, you know I feel like um throughout like Tom DeFalco's tenure writing um Amazing Spider-Man was like you know when you go back and like read like the black suit issues and stuff like that like he was always like always trying to kind of like redo like like do his own version of the origin story for Spider-Man and obviously he was extremely limited in doing that because you know, that that story has been done and it's one of the greatest origin stories in comic book history. Um, but I think because, you know, Tom himself is such a huge Spider-Man fan and, and you know, loves Amazing Fantasy so much. Um, you know, I like he I always felt like he was just trying to kind of like do it himself somehow, not not to be better, but like because he just wanted to write that story. And, and Spider-Girl gave him that opportunity to write that story. It was like it's 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 him and friends and other you know, huge fan of the character period, um, and, 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 a, and a, like a buff, a historic buff about the character. Um, 
you know, just kind of taking this character from point zero and as a teenager and, and, and dealing not only just with um, her powers awakening or being given these powers or however you want to see it, but like the, the family and, and personal dynamics, too, that we had in those Dick Lee Spider-Man books. Um, and I like that because I feel like the Falcon and friends are the right kind of creators to attempt a book like that, you know, like, like they're the people I would trust more than anyone else. I think who've worked on the character to kind of do a second origin or or their own version with a different iteration, you know? Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and this, you know, when I read this, uh, earlier today, uh, this is the kind of story that I want to be reading in Spider-Man comics. One that is very reverential towards, all the events that have happened in the past and feels like a natural growth for the character. I mean, I, I would not be displeased if if May ended up living through the Clone Saga and this had just been, you know, 15 years later. This is the natural evolution of the character. Um, it's the reason I read, like, books like Invincible and and other, like, you know, I guess image comics and stuff where... Things can happen to the characters, and they don't feel like a need to reset the clock. Like, Invincible, the main character of that book, Mark, has, you know, he's grown up a significant amount, and now he's having a child in the book. And, you know, it feels like a natural growth for that character, and and it makes things matter. And and I was saying earlier, I felt like things didn't matter in, in Amazing Spider-Man right now. Um and uh, and here I'm like this is would be a great natural outgrowth of that series. Yeah, well, I mean, and not, and not to join the the cranky parade of, of people who say this, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, over the last decade or so, I mean, you know, we've seen more done to to break down the past and to erase it than than to build on it. You know, like I mean, like you said, there there seems to be this desire, and it's not just with Spider-Man; it's with all char- all comic book characters yeah. by the big two. To you know, to just re- press the reset button on these characters, you know, and and you know whether it's because of sales or who or, or you know creative bankruptcy or who knows what, um, I just don't know. I, I, and you know, with Spider Girl, you, you have your cake and eat it too because you have a natural, you're reflecting a natural progression, but you're still getting to tell like like a brand new origin story out of it. Like I like I don't I don't want that to be glossed over. It's like you know like. Because we don't, we never met Mayday in the six one six universe. The character was, you know, wiped out before we got there. So, you know, DeFalco and friends are starting from scratch here with this character. And and you know, I like that she's this mix of Peter and MJ in terms of her personality and and and, and whatnot. The book in general just has a lot of heart and soul to it. You know, it, it makes you. Because it's not perfect. I mean, there's there's some overwrought dialogue, and and you know, like I said, I I, I kind of wish that. I, I think I would have been more interested if if May was slowly realizing these powers over time until it just finally became too much to ignore, rather than just have it be like, oh, one day I'm playing basketball and I can do things that I never could do before. Well, it is a, it is a little rushed because they only have like an issue to tell the you know the whole origin story. Although I guess Amazing Fantasy fifteen had half of an issue really, as we know them today, to tell or even less than that to tell the the origin story. Although I think that's a different era of storytelling in comic books. Um, yeah, but I mean, 
No, I know what you're saying, but I feel like it was a very distinct narrative choice to make it be like, like you know, like a light switched for May, and that's yeah. that's all I'm saying. I mean, like you you can you can service something that maybe she's coming to a realization over the span of just a couple of panels, you yeah. know, like it, it's it's or or give her a spider bite, you know what I mean? Which I know I understand why they wouldn't want to do that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, if if it's gonna be like just something clicks on then you need what what was the what was the trigger you know like like we need you know that that's that's where i'm that's what i'm really getting at with that there was something about this book that kind of irked me and i don't know if it stuck out to you but um they use this strange tense in in the narration boxes where it uses the word you uh to refer to um may parker as if the reader were May Parker. It's like, you feel strange today. You play basketball really well. And I was like, I've never read a comic that uses like, you. Is this in Bright that Lights way. Big City or something? Or It's very strange, tense. Uh, <laughs> Have you it, ever read Bright Lights Big City? No. What is that? That's, um, it's a Jay McInerney. It's like an 80s kind of, you know, cocaine culture book, um, kind of like what Brett Easton Ellis writes, um, like American Psycho and stuff like that. But the whole book, it's, it's really the only book I've ever read um, that's all told. It's, it's second person narration. Everything is you. Yeah, well, so. that's what they, it's used here, and I've never seen that in a comic. <laughs> it made yeah. me really, like, uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the what the intention was, and uh, but did you notice that? <laughs> you know, I probably just ignored it, so no, I didn't notice it. Yeah, I just, but, I don't know, it's, it's did, throughout. Did, but you noticed it, yeah. and you thought it was <laughs> strange. Yeah, yeah. You, w- you were overcome with a weird sensation <laughs> when reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was strange. Um, another thing that I thought was weird is that, like, Peter's got this, like, white hair and goatee, which is great, you know. But, like, Mary Jane appears to have not aged at all, and, like... Come on, give her some like you can take away Mary Jane's sex appeal and make her into a mom. Like, no, you can't. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, again, I'll re- re- you know talk back to about Invincible. That book had like his really hot girlfriend, you know, put on like fifty pounds, and she's never lost the weight. And that book is a way for you know Robert Kirkman to kind of make fun of comics. But like, I mean, great. The character is a little heavier. Like. She's just as awesome as she was before, and I think that's really cool. And you know, do we have to have a sexy Mary Jane mom? I, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't take this from me, Dan. It's all I have. Yeah, no. yeah. It's it's the only interaction you have with a woman yeah. without giving her your credit card number. Yeah. <laughs> Especially a redheaded woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neither of us have redheads in our lives. No, no, no. Um, so it's all about the MJ. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I am glad about, though, is that they don't spend any time or, like around the mystery of who is the goblin. Like, yeah. I don't want to spend any time with that. Like, just give it to me. Like, great. Well, that's – I mean, that's definitely a byproduct of, of the fact that, you know, this was um, – a one and done story, or meant to be a one and done story. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I, I wonder if DeFalco and friends would have done their own version of Stern's Hobgoblin if they could have, you know? Like, yeah, right, <laughs> right. But like, it's cool. Like, it's normie. Great. Like, that makes sense. Like, just get to it. 
<laughs> and instead, show me the interesting thing, interesting things that are different about him, like the tattoos. Like that's creepy stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, anything else about this comic you want to hit upon? No, I, I really liked it. Although, you know what? I would have liked to have seen, like, you know, this is all twenty twenty, you know, quarterbacking or whatever. But like, uh, if it, you know, Spider, uh, you know, Spider Girl. You know, because MJ's genes have contributed to this person, it would have been interesting to, to see if that changed her powers in any way. But instead, she kind of just gets, you know, Peter's power set. But, like, I think it would have been a cool opportunity to, like, introduce, you know, I don't know, MJ. I don't want, like, MJ powers, you know, like. She does say you hit the jackpot, doesn't she? Yeah, so. yeah. So she gets her catch, you know, phrases, but you know. So she gets just so she gets the power of sass and and charisma. <laughs> yeah, there you MJ. go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I guess that's good enough. And and, no, I, and just I, to I, just to acknowledge that it's weird that an entire universe because weren't there other comics in this universe? Yeah, I think I, I don't know which what the, I don't remember it though. This was this was this published during like my very dark period. Of, yeah, of me comedy. me too. But either way, it's weird to think that an entire universe of comics and and characters is spawned off of a question being answered. Uh, like, what if the baby lived? Like, I don't think there have been so many universes like built on the back of something so insignificant. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, this is. I think this is one of the few times a what if issue like led to an ongoing. I, I can't think of anything. Anything else. I mean, there have been. There's been material that has been borrowed from what if and and very loosely adapted. Like you know, Spider-Man joining the Fantastic Four, or you know, um, the Beast becoming more animalistic, but um, certainly not. Um, this is like this niche level. of the niche. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Good comic, right? I uh, definitely, I definitely recommend it, and you know, pick up a trade if you can, or, or if you have Marvel Unlimited, you can definitely you, you can read the whole series on Marvel Unlimited. So, um, I would recommend you guys go do that. Awesome. Well, looks like it's time to say goodbye, Mark. It's so sad. Is it? I don't know. I feel like Maybe. we were just talking to our listeners last week. Oh, okay. So, so well. Well, that's because well, we were. So why why don't you say goodbye, Dan? Okay. Well, of course, you can find all of our our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. You know, it might be fun to dust off some of those old Superior uh, podcasts. I might even go revisit some of them myself. Oh, yeah. You know, well, I, I liked how you kind of fashioned the bumper for the last episode using some of our superior bumpers. So, oh, you uh, like that? You like that? Yeah. yeah that was I pretty couldn't... slick, man. That was like, I was like, whoa, I'm in the Twilight Zone. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't let all those great bumpers go uh, go to waste. So, uh, you know, let, let me know what you think about that that uh, that bumper. I might reuse it again in the future. And um, and if you find us on iTunes, please make sure to leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing. And we'll read it on the air. We didn't get any comments this time. It's only been a week. But, you know, we like getting those comments. We're in the mid-50s uh, uh, there. We'd like to get up to 100. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. Really? And, again... Leaving those comments for us is the best way to help grow the podcast and bring more listeners in. 
Um, it's, it's a great way to motivate us to keep doing more special things for you guys. If you have any opinions on these comics that we discussed today or any questions, especially questions, make sure you email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com and we'll address and read them on the air. Yeah, and also be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash superior spider talk and facebook.com slash chasing amazing because they're great places to keep up with us in between shows as we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and how to get in touch with us. And also don't forget to check out our friendly neighborhood spider talk members club that helps support our show. Dan, where can we find you on Twitter and when you're not in class? Well, yes, I am in grad school now, and my time is being completely devoured by that. Um, though I, I, you know, listeners, you should know that I sacrificed going to see uh, a very special movie event to record this for you guys tonight. So, you're welcome. <sighs> Um, should you be should be should you be telling that to the to listeners or to me? I I kind of feel bad about this. No, thing. no, no. This is our scheduled time, Mark. So uh, there's no. <laughs> I, I'm no. I'm not. I'm really not bitter about it. I love doing this, and it's it's a worthy sacrifice. Uh, there you this go. is something you I love doing. Okay. Um, but anyway, enough sob story from my end because it's not <laughs> a sob story. I'm happy to be here doing this. It's a highlight of my week or ever biweekly, whatever it is. Um, of course, you can find me all the time on Twitter, even when I'm in class. Unfortunately, I should probably not be doing that. Um, at, on Twitter at, at @subspidertalk or on my personal account at Dan Gavazdin. Um, you can read more of my Spider-Man stuff at well, mine and my whole team at superiorspidertalk.com and we're going to be covering all of Spider-Verse every book that comes out every character that's introduced come to our site and we're going to cover it so uh, so that you can be kept up to speed so uh, that's going to be quite an undertaking so if my team is listening right now guys gear up put your armor on we're going to war um, and uh, Mark what about you where can we find you on the internet well, you could read my one-man army at www.chasingamazingblog.com, where I, too, will be talking about Spider-Verse until I decide I don't want to talk about Spider-Verse anymore. But, you know, that could include all the other individual issues. we got some Axis tie-in issues now involving Spider-Man characters. Um, Mark, if you cover every book in Spider-Verse and Axis, I will be blown away, my friend. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no promises. Um, and then, you can, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. And uh, you could read some of my other comic book-related writing at comicbook.com. Um, and comics should be good, gimmick or good. I actually wrote one about uh, an old issue of The Flash that, that went up very recently. You know, for all you people watching The Flash television show right now, you can read a 90s – talk about a 90s comic about The Flash. Um, and I actually just made an appearance that the, the episode finally went live. I think I mentioned this in the last uh, podcast uh, on the Nerd of Mouth podcast, which is uh, hosted by comedians Mike Lawrence and Jake Young, where they they talk to me about uh, me finishing my 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 quest, my chase for every amazing Spider-Man issue. Uh, so I definitely recommend you guys check that out and, and check out that podcast in general. It's a really funny listen. And they talk about a lot of comic book and comic book movie and TV show stuff. So. Let Definitely me, go there. Let me put in a plug myself here. Um, 
I know that I, I think I accidentally put one of these podcasts in the podcast feed, but it turned out to be like a, a positive thing. The Ultimate Spin podcast, which discusses Ultimate Spider-Man comic books, um, is part of uh, our Superior Spider Talk network. And um, if you guys liked that show, if, if you ended up downloading it, or even if you didn't, check them out on iTunes, Ultimate Spin, and download their show if you like Ultimate Spider-Man. Or even if you don't, maybe it'll turn you on to the book because... I don't have enough positive things to say about that title. And, um, and these guys are doing a good job of covering it. So, uh, you know, I want to send some people their way. Sounds like a plan, Dan. Awesome. Well, uh, Mark, um, do you have any words for, for the listeners and, and myself? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> After 14 years, hey, it's you. I recognize you. Those are my words. No. Yeah. Um... <laughs> As always, as the great Uncle Ben Janakio Gavazin tells us, with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. <laughs>